don't downgrade your encounter. Don't downsize it, but upgrade it. I'm not going to start the sermon this morning in the way that Giovanni and Katie and Rachel could have done in the last few weeks, but they very wisely opted not to start their sermons in that way. And I promise I'll try my hardest not to start the same way as well. They could have started by singing a song about the subject of their encounter sermon. And they, more than likely, would have pulled it off. But uh, Simon was in front of me this morning, Sue was at the side of me, and I tried not to sing too loud, because even the bit I did sing, they'd testify that, no, please, Leslie, please, we're praying, don't start your sermon with a song. Giovanni dealt with Mary in John 19 at the side of the cross and Jesus saying to her, woman, behold your son. Giovanni could have used a song that was written back in the 13th century in Latin, Starbat Mater Lacrimosa, the mother stood there full of tears. Or he could have um, used a more up-to-date song Some of you may know it. Mary, did you know? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Mary, did you know that your baby boy has come to make us new? This child that you've delivered will soon deliver you. Beautiful. Katie dealt with the woman at the well in uh, John chapter 4, the woman of Samaria, and she could have used an old Sunday school chorus. I wonder if any of the oldies remember it. The woman came to fill her water pot down at the bottom of the well. But Jesus gave her water which was not down at the bottom of the well. She went away, happy and gay, back to her home, never more to roam, because the Saviour gave her Water which was not down at the bottom of the well, deep down. Or she could have been more dignified, Katie. Um, Like the woman at the well, I was seeking for things that did not satisfy. And then I heard my Saviour speaking, draw from my well that never will run dry. Fill my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. Come and quench this thirsting of my soul. Here's my cup. Fill it up and make me whole. And Rachel, last week, talked about the woman suffering from chronic hemorrhaging. Mark chapter 5. She touched the edge of Jesus' cloak and she was healed. There's some good songs about that uh, encounter. Redemption hymnal 731. She only touched the hem of his garment as to his side she stole, amid the crowd that gathered around him, and straightway she was whole. Oh, touch the hem of his garment, and thou too shalt be free. His saving power, this very hour, shall give new life to thee. Or 
reach out and touch the Lord as he goes by. You'll find he's not too busy to hear your heart's cry. He's passing by this moment your need to supply. Reach out and touch the Lord as he goes by. Wow, I'm blessed already with just those songs. Now it's my turn. Can you guess who my encounter is? Yes, it is an encounter. Tristan asked me to deal with this particular one. See if you can guess. I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses and the voice I hear falling on my ear the Son of God discloses and he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own and the joy we share as we tarry there none other has ever known. Anybody got it yet? Well, another clue then. Redemption Hymnal 165. Show me the tomb where thou wast laid, tenderly mourned and wept, angels in robes of light arrayed, guarded thee whilst thou slept. Then the next verse. Let me like Mary through the gloom, come with a gift to thee. Show to me now the empty tomb, lead me to Calvary. Yes, it's Mary Magdalene, John chapter 20, Mary Magdalene. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. Mary Magdalene. So who, so is she? Who is she? Don't depend on the Da Vinci Code to get your information about Mary Magdalene. Don't depend on the film The Last Temptation of Christ to get your information. Both of those have got no basis whatsoever in any of the New Testament writings, and not just New Testament writings, but a whole heap of writings over several centuries by people after the early church, just completely fantasy and wild imagination. Now, Mary Magdalene, we'll get our information from the Gospels. She's actually mentioned 12 times in the Gospels, more than some of the apostles, and certainly more than any other woman apart from Mary, the mother of Jesus. In Luke chapter 8, we find that she was once delivered from seven demons, and after that, she followed Jesus, tells you this in Luke chapter 8, and she was part of that group of women that actually supported Jesus and the apostles financially. And so she would have been around and seen many of the miracles and heard much of his teaching. She had a special first encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. And some of us here this morning, we can say, yeah, we've had our encounter with Jesus, but don't downsize it, says Mary Magdalene. Upgrade it. There's always more. Mary Magdalene. Magdalene, why was she called that? Well, it was because she probably came from 
a little village on the shores of Galilee, the Lake Galilee, Magdala. So she was called Mary the Magdalene, actually. She's called in Luke chapter 8, Mary the Magdalene. A bit like you might say, if there were several Leslies here in the congregation, you might say, today we've got Leslie the Brummy preaching. Uh, but uh, I've lost my Brummy accent, I'm afraid. Um, but anyway, um, Mary from Magdala. I think sometimes we've had the wrong idea about Mary Magdalene, thanks to Pope Gregory the Great in the 6th century. He was the first one. He actually merged together three separate ladies in the New Testament. In Luke 7, there's the lady who comes and anoints Jesus, a sinful woman. She's described a sinful woman. In Luke 8, we've got Mary Magdalene. And in Luke 10, we've got Mary of Bethany, Mary and Martha, and she's the one who sits at Jesus' feet while Martha gets a bit het up in the kitchen trying to do all the work. And Gregory, actually, I can see his motivation in merging the three, because what he's trying to say is, you might be a really sinful person, like the woman in Luke 7, but you can have your life transformed and become like Mary in chapter 10, sitting at Jesus' feet. But again, you know, and as the centuries roll by, people just accepted that Mary Magdalene was a repentant prostitute. But there's no basis for that in the scripture at all. So get rid of that idea if Pope Gregory the Great is still influencing you. Even Martin Luther went along with it. But actually, in 1969, Pope Paul VI renounced the idea. So officially, from the Vatican, Mary is not a repentant prostitute. And sometimes it takes us as Protestant evangelicals quite a long time to cotton on to the truth and to realize what the scripture really does say. So Mary Magdalene, not the repentant prostitute, but somebody who's had her life transformed, she's had an encounter, is preaching to us today and saying, yes, some of us here have had our encounter, but don't downsize it, upgrade your encounter. There's always more. And perhaps we'll quickly jump way ahead right now. She has an, another encounter. That's what we're going to look at when she comes to the empty tomb and meets the Lord Jesus, risen from the dead. Hallelujah. And then a few weeks later, she's with, she's just classed as, and the women in Acts chapter 1, who are meeting with the disciples in the upper room. In Acts chapter 2, she's filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit, uh, another great encounter. There's always more. So what have we read here? She went to the tomb while it was still dark. It was very dark in her soul as well. She'd seen Jesus crucified. She'd been there at the cross. She'd seen him buried. She was one of the people who actually witnessed the burial. But she got up very early that morning on a journey to an encounter 
even if she wasn't actually believing for an encounter. It was dark. She knew something of a long couple of dark nights of the soul. But you know something? When we're on the journey, where we are, where we are on the journey isn't as important as the direction in which we're going. Matthew says, no, hang on a minute, Matthew says, it wasn't dark. Matthew 28 verse 1 says, it was as the new day was dawning. That's in the New Living Translation. As the new day was dawning. Mark says, hang on a minute, it wasn't dark. It wasn't as the new day was dawning. Mark 16 verse 2, several of the translations have got this. When the sun, S-U-N, also the S-O-N, when the sun had risen. Start your journey to an encounter. Yes, even when you're in the dark, but believe that as you start your journey, you're on your way, the sun will start to rise, dawn will begin to break, and the sun will rise. Reminds me of five and a bit years ago, Easter Day, 2018. It was April the 1st of all the days for it to be as well. April the 1st, 2018. Some of us were there. We got up in the dark and went to Holcomb Hill, parked our cars in the car park. I bought a torch specially for the occasion so I could see where I was going. Derek, you were there, I think, I remember talking. You as we, we clambered our way up to the top. And as we went up to the top, so dawn began to break. And when we got to the top and started singing, Christ the Lord is risen today, the sun had risen. I was perished. It was so cold. I got back to the car as quickly as I could when, it, when the little service was finished, and I drove all the way to McDonald's in Whitefield and had a McDonald's breakfast to warm me up. Yes, Mary, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Psalm 30 says, joy comes in the morning. At the end of Psalm 30, forgive me for using the King James Version, but it used to be a, a song that we sang. Thou hast turned my mourning into dancing for me. Thou hast put off my sackcloth. Thou hast turned my mourning into dancing for me and girded me with gladness to the end that my glory may sing praise to thee and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks unto thee forever. Yes, whatever dark night you're going through right now, I've got good news for you. Your dark night won't last forever. Dawn will break. The sun will rise. Your joy is coming to you in the morning. Believe it this morning in Jesus' name. They, it says they, they went to the tomb. You know, it was Mary Magdalene and some other women, actually. Uh, uh, Matthew 28 says Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. And then we find there were other women there as well. And they went, what does Matthew say? They went to look at the tomb. They went to look at the tomb. Come on. Surely there's more you can do than just look at the tomb. And there's a danger, you know, of sometimes coming to a church meeting and we've come to look. We've come to be spectators. It's become a spectator sport. And we want amusement. We want entertainment. We want intellectual stimulation. 
and we bring along our scorecards. I'll give it seven! Or, on a bad day, it might be a one or a two. And let's be honest, most of us have been there and done that. Now I see one or two of you have got halos above your heads, you're okay. Mark 16 says, yeah, they went to the tomb, but they bought, not, not brought. It wasn't that they decided to bring. They actually decided to buy. They bought spices to anoint Jesus' body. Yeah, they went to the tomb for an anointing. Yeah, they went to give an anointing, I know. But for us, we come to receive an anointing. Get hold of this. It's just transformed my life. God is more interested in what he can do for you than in what he can get from you. To use President Kennedy's phraseology, and by the way, we are in the upside-down kingdom, Don't ask what you can do for the kingdom. Ask what the king can do for you. And any religion or church or group or preacher that focuses more on what you have to give God rather than what God has to give you, isn't grace and is very much on the road to becoming nothing but a cult. John 20, verse 1, they saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. Yeah, come, to the, come for an encounter with a heart open to receive an anointing and and they saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. On your journey to an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ, to an upgraded encounter, keep your eyes open for the supernatural. Oh, I know later on in the story, there's going to be some mega supernatural events. Angels in white. Jesus himself standing there. But they come and they find the stone has been rolled away. Now, how do you picture the stone by the side. Do you picture a great big boulder? No, it wasn't a, a great big boulder. It was a sort of slab that when the, they wanted to close the tomb, it would be quite easily rolled down into a groove in front of the entrance of the tomb. But the women are saying, how are we going to, you know, we need to we want to anoint his body. How are we going to move the stone? And it would take several strong men with levers to prise that slab, that heavy stone slab, back up the groove to make the entrance accessible. We read in Matthew 28, actually, it took just one angel to remove the slab and not to leave it still upright, but to flatten it, and the angel, I love it, the angel sat on it, 
the angel sat on the obstacle to those women uh, getting to see the empty tomb. And by the way, the, the stone wasn't rolled away so that Jesus could come out. It was rolled away so that we could see inside that the grave was empty. Supernatural. And I don't know about you, but sometimes don't we have obstacles, barriers, things in the way that we're quite sure are going to stop us from getting our encounter with the Lord Jesus. Believe that he's able to do the impossible for you. Expect something supernatural to take place. Verse 2. Excuse me. <coughs> so, she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. By the way, when it says that it's the disciple that Jesus loved, it doesn't mean that Jesus loved John, the disciple, more than all the others. It's something wonderful, actually. It's just that John, John the disciple, knew that he was loved, you know, and he knew it better than some of the others did. He thought, do, do you understand this morning? You're loved. God loves you. Jesus loves you. With all our faults and failings, our foibles, Jesus really loves you. You're not second class. You're not second rate. He loves you with an everlasting love. So on your good days, he loves you. On your worst day ever, he loved you just the same. He always will. It's an everlasting love, from everlasting to everlasting. Anyway, that's not the main point of this verse for us this morning. They, she came running... She, she involved other people. She'd already been there with some of the other women. And uh, later on, she's going to go and tell all the disciples what's been happening. We need each other. If, if we want an encounter with Jesus, somewhere in the list of ingredients, there's church. There's other believers. When we get our encounter, oh, don't get me wrong, it will be something deeply personal just for us. But there's the catalyst of other believers that comes into the mix. Samuel Wells, who's the vicar of St. Martin's in the Fields in London, he puts it this way. Church means doing things at inconvenient times with eccentric people in sometimes clumsy ways because life is a team game. And on Judgment Day, God will have nothing to say to us if we think we can come without the others. We need each other. And here we are this morning with each other Praise God. I'm preaching to the converted, okay, if you're listening to it on YouTube this morning, and there's no real good reason why you shouldn't be here. Come next week. 
be part of the group. Verse 3. So Peter and the other disciples started from the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple, John, outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white. Peter and John, they've come and looked and drawn their own conclusions, and then they've gone back home. But Mary decides to linger. She stayed. And she ended up getting the encounter and they missed it. Sometimes it's good to, to linger in God's presence. And that might sound really super spiritual and really spooky to some people. No, it just means just sometimes you can, you can linger in God's presence when you're on the bus, on the tram, walking along the street. You can, you can, as somebody once put it, you can practice the presence of God. You can realize he's always with us. We just need to appreciate the fact and plug into the fact that he is there with us. We recently did that series on Ecclesiastes, didn't we? And in Ecclesiastes chapter 8 and verse 3, it says there, do not be in a hurry to leave the king's presence. Linger. Back to Mary. She stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking that he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Mary is upset, confused, irrational. But Mary, don't think that your topsy-turvy emotions are going to preclude you from having an encounter with the Lord Jesus. In fact, come to think of it, when we think we've got it all figured out, 
and we know it all, we've just put up a massive roadblock in the way of having an encounter. Empty-handed. That is how he wanted me. He commanded and I left my old plans at his feet till I had nothing, nothing to call my own. And then he filled my life to overflowing. And then verse 16. Oh. Verse 16. I'm too nervous to read this. I have practiced reading this verse over and over and over again. And I can't get it right. See, the trouble is I can hear what, I can hear in my head the tone of voice that Jesus has for Mary. But when it leaves my mouth, it's nothing like it. So it'll just be ordinary, I'm afraid. Jesus said to her, Mary, not too bad. We'll give it a seven. Mary. And she has this encounter. What an upgrade. This is better than the day, Mary, when the demons were cast out of you. This is better than the day when you heard the parable of the sower. This is better than the day when you saw the blind man receive his sight. This is better than the day when you saw Jairus' daughter raised from the dead. This is superb. Jesus himself is meeting with you on a one-to-one basis. And in that, Mary, he has said everything that needs to be said. I want you to help me, please, for the next couple of minutes or so as I come to an end. I'm going to speak to Mary, but will you please hear the Lord Jesus speaking to you? When I say Mary, it's you that he's speaking to. He's calling you by name. Your heart has been broken into a thousand pieces. Mary. The bottom has fallen out of your world. Mary. Your mind is all over the place with the what-ifs, if-onlys, the questions why, the trying to work things out. Mary. Your past encounter, and you've had one, you may have had more than one, your past encounter has faded and it seems faint, irrelevant, even stale. Mary. Your hopes and dreams have been smashed into a million smithereens. Mary. All your tomorrows seem uncertain, 
dark, even threatening. Mary, you thought you'd never have another encounter. Father, this morning, we open our hearts for more of the Lord Jesus Christ, more encounters with him. Thank you for all that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen.